Welcome to the Unity of the Valley Spiritual Center podcast featuring Reverend Dahlia Adams. You may visit us online at unityvacaville.org or you may visit us in person at 350 North Orchard Avenue in Vacaville, California. And now here is Reverend Dahlia Adams. Welcome again to Unity of the Valley Spiritual Center. My name is Reverend Dahlia Adams, and I am honored to be here with you today. We have been focusing on the mystery, with a capital M, the mystery that is the truth of who we are, what God is, our relationship to that which we call God. The mystery that brings up question after question after question, and hopefully a new way of seeing who we are and what God is. We've been talking a lot recently about the power that moves through us or that is within us, the power of our mind, the power of our thinking, our, and many other ways that we have of expressing this power. Today, I want to talk about manifesting our dreams. When we manifest our dreams, we bring about that which is a desire deep in our hearts. And when I was raised, I I was not raised to think this way. The religion that I was taught taught me to focus on repenting and to ask for forgiveness and to be a better person, to become worthy to be in the presence of God. Since that, later in life, what I've come to know that I need do nothing to be worthy in the eyes of God. I am an expression of God. God is the creator of my being, the source of my being. And I know that at least in the scriptures, it says that God looked upon God's creation and saw that it was good. Rather than striving to be worthy in the face of God, my task is to become more and more aware of God's presence and the way that God moves through me and expresses through me and that the power and the love and the wisdom that is mine through that presence of God. And so it becomes not only permissible, not only okay to focus on manifesting my dreams, but this is in alignment with knowing that I am one with God. This is in alignment with being a spiritual being, having a human experience. This is in alignment with living the mystery, the mystery that we've been talking about. And to manifest dreams, these dreams come in all sorts of shapes and sizes and possibilities. Money is a common thing that people wish to manifest. And maybe not the money itself, but that confidence that there will be enough if and when it is needed. That confidence that lets us know that we can be at peace and focus 
on the good that God is, to focus on the love and the wisdom, to focus on that presence of God instead of being wrapped up in worries and fears and um, obstacles that we have related to money. Our deepest desire could be something like a car, a home, a swimming pool. And there are many layers of meaning that these things can have for us, some going deeper than others. Our heart's desire can be for health, for education, for a diploma, a degree, for love, for harmonious relationships. Or it can be just for food. You know, there's, that's a need and a hunger that we have. So manifesting our desires is not a selfish thing. It is a way of expressing the truth of who we are. And there's four scriptural passages, I think, that it's important to look at when we think about manifesting or bringing into being what is our heart's desire. And the bottom line is we do this. What I've come to understand and recognize is even though there are books and shows and YouTubes that tell us how we can manifest the things that we want, the bottom line, the most important thing is that it's all about consciousness. And consciousness is the pervasive or standard way we have of seeing our world, the way we have of knowing ourselves, knowing our God. Our consciousness is the way we deal with possibilities. It is that which allows us to be all that we can be. And as our consciousness evolves, we grow and we become more of the person that we've always wanted to be. So it's all about consciousness. And I think the consciousness that we need to, to claim is captured in the teachings of Jesus. And in the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis, the statement about God creating man. So in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. So that's the first truth that we are to hold in our consciousness. And that's the truth that we are expressions of God, we are creations of God, and we are made in the image and likeness of God. As a little girl, I had to memorize questions and answers, and the first two were about this very truth. And then I got confused because I wanted to understand what it meant to be created in the image and likeness of God. And after a long time and struggling with it, what I realized is if God is creator, then to be created in God's image and likeness, that means that I am called to be a creator. 
that I am called to manifest into being that which is deep within me, that that is the reason for my creation. God does not have hands and feet and hair, so my image is not my physical appearance being in the image of God, but my very nature is that I, like the God that created me, I am a creator. So this goes right into this idea that manifesting that which we are guided to long for is exactly what we're here to do. And it's easier said than done in this idea of the consciousness that allows us to do that is a major journey. It is a spiritual journey to embrace and live in that consciousness. So that consciousness of being in the image and likeness of God leaves me anchored in the truth that I am one with the God of my being. That the creative power of God moves through me. I am not some rogue little human being running around trying to create something apart from God. It is the very presence of God within me that allows me to manifest, to create what it is that I bring into my life. This consciousness of being in the image and likeness of God means that the wisdom, the infinite wisdom that is God, the infinite love that is God, is what moves through me and guides me in this process. So ultimately, if I come from this consciousness, there is no such thing as being selfish in that which I manifest, because it is guided by that love and that wisdom, and it comes into being through the power that is God. In the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus didn't say, I came to make you feel bad about yourself. Jesus said that my very presence here, that which I'm teaching you, that which I'm showing you, is so that you may have life abundantly. So all that guilt I may have carried from earlier on in my life about wanting to bring into being that which I desire is backwards because Jesus said the opposite. Jesus wants that abundance for each and every one of us. And that was what he was teaching. That's what he was showing. And it's really interesting because in his life, it's not that he stored up treasures. It's not that he, I don't know if they had bank accounts, but we don't hear anything about a, a big investment account or anything. But in the stories that we hear, there was always enough. Even though there was no storing up of riches, there was always enough. There was always more than enough. There was enough to feed the multitudes, 
even when it didn't look like it. So that's a way of understanding and capturing abundance. It's not that storehouse of stuff, but it's that consciousness of there is enough. In fact, there is more than enough. The consciousness includes that I am worthy of the good that is of God. I am worthy of living an abundant life. My purpose, in fact, is to live a life that is abundant. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, verse 38, Jesus said, give and it shall be given to you. So that's another piece of the consciousness that we need to hold in order to bring into being, in order to create the life that we truly long for. Give and it shall be given to you. So we hold the consciousness that we are in the image and likeness of God, that the good that God is is moving through us now. We hold in our consciousness that it, it is our purpose to create a life that is abundant. And that in doing so, we incorporate into that consciousness that whatever abundance we may have, we share it, we give it, and as we give, we receive. For none of it is anything that we truly can claim for ourselves exclusively. The good and the abundance that is of God is meant for all of us. And if we maintain this attitude that God's abundance is moving through us and expressing through us, we are aligned with what Jesus was teaching. So the consciousness of as I give, I receive, means knowing that God's abundance is flowing through me now. And because it's God's abundance and God is infinite, God's supply is infinite. There is always more than enough. Even in the face of appearances that say otherwise, ultimately, that good that is of God is an ever-flowing abundance, and there is always enough. Again, it's not reflected necessarily in bank accounts. It might be. But it's being to, able to live in that consciousness that Jesus lived with his disciples of knowing there's enough. We don't hear about them sitting, brainstorming about how are they going to get enough resources or money to have dinner tonight, right? There was always enough. So the consciousness that is the bottom line for our own creative process also includes the teaching of Jesus where he said in the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 10, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. So as we want to manifest a car because transportation is important in our lives in that moment. If it's only the car, yes, we might get the car. 
I mean, our thoughts are powerful and, and it might come into being, but cars get old, cars break down, cars lose their brand new look, and the joy and the abundance that we feel in getting that brand new car begins to fade. But when our consciousness is as such that we seek first the kingdom of God, that consciousness within us, because Jesus said that kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is within us, around us as well, but within us. When we seek that consciousness of the kingdom within us, then we remain in that joy that that car brought because it's the car is the symbol, the expression of the abundance of the kingdom. This consciousness is a deep knowing that the kingdom of God is within me and that in all things I seek God first and that God is my source. If this car gets stolen, God will provide an even better is the consciousness of knowing God is my source. I had that happen once. I had a dream car that I finally got after years and I brought it home and I realized I no longer liked it. I bought it because six, seven years before that, I fell in love with the model of six, seven years before that. And I brought it home and I'm there, oh no, all these car payments and I don't even like this thing. Within a month or two, it was vandalized and destroyed and it was replaced with a car that was, in my eyes, in my feelings, even better. So God is the source, not the object that we bring into being. This consciousness means that the resource of spirit, the resources of spirit, the resources that are of God are equal to every demand in our life. We need not worry. We need not fret. We need not have sleepless nights. We say this in our unity services, or an expanded version of that. We say the inexhaustible resources of spirit are equal to every demand. And I'm told that that was an affirmation that our co-founder, Charles Fillmore, would always say. So this is the consciousness that he taught as well. So bottom line is it's all about consciousness, and it's that consciousness that God created me in God's image and likeness. So I am of God. I am meant to be a creator. And as I create, I remember that to seek first the kingdom and that all those other things will be added to me. I remember to give as I receive. And I remember that this entire process is a process of experiencing the presence of God. Myrtle and Charles Fillmore, the co-founders of the Unity Movement, came from a very different place in their lives. And when Myrtle Fillmore had a, a tremendous shift in consciousness that allowed her to heal from a lifetime of illness. 
from a lifetime of thinking that she was limited and incapable. She had a moment where her consciousness shifted and she realized that she was a child of God and did not inherit illness. And then she worked to build that consciousness for a couple years. Ultimately, though, she and Charles, her husband, as they were creating the beginning of the unity movement, as they were envisioning the, the movement headquartered on a farm outside of Kansas City, they wrote what they named their dedication and covenant, and they did not put that out there for the public initially. It was found later by people, and it was a private covenant that they wrote, a covenant between themselves and God as they understood God, spirit they called God. So this dedication and covenant, I have most of it here. I, I left out things that are just commentaries are not at the heart of the meaning. They began, we, Charles Fillmore and Myrtle Fillmore, hereby dedicate our lives, our time, our money, all we have and all that we expect to have to the spirit of truth. And that was their name for God in that situation. So pause a moment. Imagine dedicating yourself, your life, your time, your money. They didn't say 10% of our money. They didn't say $200 a month. They said they were dedicating themselves, their time. They didn't say four hours a week is what I'll give to volunteer here. Okay, Their time, their money, all we have, all we have. And all that we expect to have. So had they won the lotto right after this, they would have turned it over, right? All we expect to have to the spirit of truth. We dedicate all of this to God. And the ellipses there stand for and the unity movement. Or the society of silent unity as they called it then. We dedicate all of this to God, it being understood and agreed that the said spirit of truth, that God shall render unto us an equivalent for this dedication. So they were writing a contract where they gave everything, everything. And they trusted, they expected, they agreed, they understood that God is their source. And in return, they would get an equivalent in peace of mind, love, life, and an abundant supply of all things necessary to meet every want. And here it's worth pausing. They did not say a supply of all things necessary to meet every need, right? Even in my older training, it was okay to have my needs taken care of. 
But you better be careful about wanting too much, right? Myrtle and Charles Fillmore gave everything to God, and they agreed that God would in return give them all the things necessary to meet every want, every desire, without making any of those things the object of our existence. So what they're saying there is even though we know that God is our source and all of these things will be provided abundantly, we will not allow any of these things to become the focus of our attention or divert our attention from our dedication to God. That we will just know that we will be provided for abundantly both in peace, love, and life, and all the physical things that we may need to fulfill our wants. But we will continue to make the kingdom of heaven or our dedication to God the object of our existence. I was brought up to believe that you could either dedicate yourself to God and live in poverty, or have a life of riches and ignore God completely. This turns things completely upside down. And I know for a fact that this works. I've had experience after experience after experience, and it works. Does that mean I remember it and I'm always there? No. But that's why we do this. This is why we gather. This is why we talk about these truths to remember. Because race consciousness, the material consciousness, pulls us really hard in another direction. There are not many commercials on TV that say, you don't really have to buy this now because when you need it and want it, God will provide, right? We get pulled into a way that creates worry and desperation and a little bit of frantic energy at times. What Charles and Myrtle were claiming were peace of mind, love, life, and abundance of everything needed to fulfill every want. And so they did. And I have a picture up of Unity Village at night with the fountains running. It's an amazing place. This is the headquarters of the movement they created. This is the farm that they bought right before the Great Depression that has since been transformed into a most amazing spiritual center. This is what manifested from that covenant that Myrtle and Charles made. And so this is an example of what can come into being when we claim that consciousness that is at the heart of our own creative process. And so it is. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support this podcast, you may do so at unityvacaville.org.